0: From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike Show. Spike O'Neill in with Angela Poe-Russell, who is in for Jack's Senate. Hey, Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. When we, uh, coming up this uh, this break, uh, Washington State voters, uh, Washington State's house, I should say, <clears throat> will vote to allow uh, to force, look at this, I can't even speak. I am just.
1: I call it take two. Just Take, take two?
0: two? Okay, we'll <laughs> run that back and burn that tape and it's not going <laughs> to be the Christmas party tape. Washington House votes 12 even-year elections in the state of Washington. We'll tell you what's good and bad about that, according to both sides arguing the issue. Uh, but the story that uh, Aaron Granillo reported about the Oregon man who went online and lured two young Washington girls uh, and, and then went to Oregon. Or no, a Washington man went to Oregon, lured two girls online, brought them back to Washington, to where I knew, and put these girls to work in the sex trafficking and the prostitution Story. Uh, Bellevue Police Department uh, had a press conference this afternoon. Our own James Lynch was there. And we've got some audio from this conference, Laura. This goes quick. When you leave a location, you leave home, you leave that safe space that you're in, and you get into a car, you don't know where you're going and what's going to happen. In 48 hours, many things can happen. In minutes, many things can happen. And in this circumstance, um, bad things happened. That was uh, Andrew Popachak. Assistant Chief Police for Bellevue, uh, the story's horrific, and as a parent, there is nothing worse in in your mind. you can imagine,
1: oh, yeah, and They're I, a predator. Just, yes, and I just want to be transparent with all of you listening because we struggle with, okay, how much do we talk about this story because it can feel like we're helpless at times, yeah. and it's and it's just horrifying when you hear how old the girls were and just some of what they went through. But I really think it's important for us, as difficult as it is, to look at this issue. Because I think if we look at it and face it, we could actually do something about it and protect our kids. So if you'll just oblige us for a few minutes, it's yeah. it's something that um, is, this issue is close to my heart. Having had a chance to speak with survivors of sex trafficking, interview them. And, the, you know, I, I think about how this happened. This It was the assistant police chief who spoke from Bellevue. Yes. And saying how quickly things can happen. It sounds like they were lured online. In terms of prevention, I think about what is the school's role. I mean, there are a lot of different things schools teach, and this will be a good one in terms of how this kind of Internet thing safety. operates. Yeah, operates, yes. Internet safety tactics that are often used. Having spoken with survivors, another major tactic that is used to lure people in is, is the boyfriend thing. Oh, you know, I'm your boyfriend. And so all of a sudden the boyfriend wants you to do this and the boyfriend wants you to, wants you to do that. So they, it's the offering of love or acceptance right. place to be. Um, another one that I think it's important for people to think about is there are folks who are tricked into it and, and and let me just give you an example of that. So let's say you have someone who's young, right? They're yeah. under the age of 18, so they don't realize what they're getting into, or number 2, there's a language barrier. They may have immigrated here and may not understand all the things that are happening and are taken advantage of. Right. So that's another one. And I just also want to point out that sometimes when things may look like they're consensual, if the person is under threat of violence, it may look that way. So I really think it's important for us to kind of learn as much as we can about the topic and learn to recognize the signs.
0: You know, and uh, Laura, also um, Andrew Papachuk of the uh, Bellevue Police Department had a warning for parents as well. Make sure you know what websites your children are accessing, what they're doing online, and making sure we're educating people about when you go online, the person you're talking to may not be the person that you think. And Como News uh, website has a good story about this. I want to credit them because they've got some tips for parents. Angela, to your point about being informed. You know, to educate your kids. And and it's I think you're right. Schools should have curriculum on this to, at a point to warn kids about the, the world that they're entering. It's not just mm-hmm. teach them history and numbers and how to do math. Teach them about the world they're entering. But parents have a, a, even more responsibility, I think, in educating your parents. They also say to monitor your kids' online activities. And this is a real touchy subject for a lot of parents. Oh, it's so, it, yes. The, the, the balancing act between letting your kid grow up and giving them privacy and become them. Because kids need to become themselves. They need to have... Social spheres that they travel in, but nowadays social spheres reach into the internet. And to your point, Angela, people pretending to be somebody they're not, or right. or a boyfriend that they've never met. And that's how this happened. This because this one of Way the guy. victims,
1: one of the victims, Laura was eleven years old.
2: Yeah, yeah, eleven Ele- years old. Eleven and fifteen where the ages of the victims in this Yeah,
1: case. and here and get this, they say I was looking at um I think it's a Polaris project. They were saying that the average age of a girl being trafficked is 15 and for boys it's even younger. And it's happening in in plain sight. Like it's happening all around us. Uh Delta Airlines has a whole big campaign because a lot of times, you know, Airplanes are used to transport yes, people, so yeah. things that we can look out when for. When they see
0: travelers that, you, that, that look uncomfortable, look on, something that not look right.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times is that feeling of like, you know, something's off about this. You yeah, know, yeah. you just something feels off. The other thing that really struck me: a lot of the survivors of sex trafficking said that when it was happening, they were still still attending school, still attending school. So sometimes, like I said, it's right in front of us. So being able to kind of When things don't seem right, being able to subtly ask someone if they need help.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, this Como News website's great stuff. Set boundaries for your kids. Open lines communication with your kids. Educate them. Be willing to talk to them. Monitor, you know, trust but verify, to quote former president Bush, trust but verify. And set boundaries for your kids. Let them know. I mean, we want to give them independence and we want to give them the ability to fail on their own and fall, you know, and get back up again. But these days falling has far greater consequences. Yeah,
1: The recovery for this is a long one.
2: Well, and talk about healthy relationships, too, because I think so often the dynamic here is, oh, I'm in a relationship with this person or this person loves me and this person is giving me attention. Yes. And then you get sucked into this situation that you feel like you can't get out of. Oh, yeah. And so um, those uh, healthy mm-hmm. relationship conversations yeah. are something that, that every parent should be having with it, their kids. And
0: it may hurt to hear it, folks, but lead by example in your home. Have a healthy relationship with your significant other that and your here, kids see.
1: And you know what? I appreciate all the talk around what parents can do. Something I want to point out is that a lot of the people that end up being trafficked, they have been in situations where like, connected to CPS. So in other words, they usually have had problems at home. So sometimes the parent space isn't where they're going to get the support right. yeah. no, and that's the where the community, kids are targeted. Yes. Yeah. And that's where yeah. the community comes in. Right. I remember the story of a friend of my husband's was at a store and noticed that a girl was with someone and she just didn't look disheveled or it just didn't look right. And so, um, ended up calling the authorities and it turned out it was, it was a really bad situation. Sometimes you just never know, um, what someone's dealing with them. And my hope for anything is, Is that I do, I know all of you listening realize this. Like, if you had good parents, we're fortunate. Sometimes parents fall short or are not there. And so my question is, how can we intervene as a community? There are lots of local organizations who are doing this work. Um, REST, uh, Real Escape from the Sex Trade. They have um, a shelter shelter for people who have been victims. And it's so important because when they've been in the sex trafficking space, they didn't get to keep their money. Like that was done by someone else. So they have nothing if they want to leave. So how do you build a new life? Your family's not involved. You don't have any resources. So this is an example of an organization that's saying, hey, we'll take care of you for a bit so you can get back on your feet and heal. So that's a way you can get involved, too. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: Yeah. thanks for bringing that. Yeah, of course. Um, You know what? We were going to talk a little bit about the daycares that were giving melatonin to the one-year-olds, but... I'd like to I'd like to change the Bible. Let's let's we'll, we'll put down the back burner. We'll cover that in the future. I promise you. The story is available in the news if you need it it's on MyNorthWest.com If you like the story, but newsflash,
1: don't give other people's kids melatonin.
0: Thank you. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe, well, maybe. Uh, uh, okay, uh, we, we'll, you're right. It's worth saying, and I'm glad you brought that back up because a story is out that a daycare provider was giving toddlers one year olds melatonin at nap time, and without anybody's permission. And this wasn't just a temporary somebody. A new teacher. This was a seven year established teacher in this school. This daycare, I should say, who was also a, a babysitter for some of the families who, who went to the daycare, was a trusted person. And there were stories that it was trouble, hard time waking these kids up after nap time. They slept, napped for two and three hours in middle day and then had groggy when they woke up. And, and Angela, you mentioned that you, you, your children would go to, to, uh, to sleepovers. Yes, overs. this
1: isn't, you know, it, it, it horrifies me when this is happening to kids who can't speak for themselves yet, right? They're in daycare, yeah. so they're yeah. really young. They can't tell you what's going on. But even having a teenager, there have been a few instances where she's had sleepovers and melatonin was available or something else. And I'm like, you know, I, I grew up, maybe I'm old school, but I grew up in the neighborhood where another person's parent may call your parent if, you're, if there's an issue, but you don't give them medication. No. Like just the li- the liability of that plus anyway, I just I I just cannot believe it. I'm I'm at a loss for words, honestly. Yeah. Well, Even though we've talked about it at nauseam, I just
0: No, it's it's mind boggling that someone would think it's okay to do this. And and then someone in a daycare capacity would think it's okay to do this. I yes. know that Heather Bosch is working on a story about daycare and the cost of daycare. Uh, We're going to have later on, uh, probably next week, Heather, put that together for us. But just as cautionary word to parents out there, keep our kids safe and informed in every aspect of their life, whether it's social media or even daycare.
1: And one other thing I'll add to this, there's the piece of parents don't give other people's kids medicine unless you get permission or whatever. But then there's the piece I have to tell my kid, like if someone offers you this just because they're saying that's what it is you may not know what it really is yeah right yeah and in the teenage space middle school high school especially important oh there's some melatonin uh okay it actually was something you know what i mean and that is a yes big problem
0: okay moving on to the uh the voting of the washington house votes to allow only even year elections for local elections uh the story is from the seattle times uh we had it in the news that Lower turnout is common in off-year elections. So Washington Democrats are putting forth a bill, House Bill 1932, to allow the state to have elections only on even-eared years.
2: So this is the idea, right, that you need, like, a big, shiny, like, president or governor.
0: To, on... pe- people only come out to vote in big, shiny years where there's tons of advertising, yeah. tons of news about it. Off-year elections have the lowest turnout. Opponents to this bill, though, or from and not to point fingers, Republican side of this bill say it it will cause too much confusion or be too much asking too much of voters to read long
2: yeah the, the ballot would be too would be too, too long busy, and people too long. would give up partway through that like any issue that ended up further down the ballot would would get deprioritized by voters
0: because there's too Angela, many things to read up about
2: we have one of the
1: easiest election systems in the country we literally mail it in
0: like yeah, you yeah. can mail so it, it it's in like, you can't hard to <laughs> get it easier than that
1: oh man and you know i I, I look, I'm no history buffer expert, but I know enough to know that people who came before us, women um, who weren't allowed to vote at first, right. who fought for the right to vote, um, other groups fought for the right to vote. So it's one of those things that I just don't take for granted. Right. It's It's something I appreciate. I take seriously. I want everyone else to do so, especially when everybody's got an opinion when they don't like something.
0: Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah? Everybody's arms are okay, in a big. But candy. I'm
1: I'm sitting here looking at the Secretary of State website, and last year we had 36 percent turnout.
0: That's last year. 2023 says
1: so 2023. Right? Yeah. The lowest there were four outs. million registered voters. 1.7 ballots count. 36 percent turnout. And look, if you didn't vote, it's okay. Like I'm not. I I, I want to not be judgmental mm-hmm. and just say like, hey, let's. This is like the if you want to change something right. this is the number one way you can do it right. easy
0: 23 percent well, voted 23 36 th- oh sorry 36 and 23 36 percent voted yeah. I know more than 36 percent of you are complaining <laughs> you know if, yeah. if, if you're going to complain you probably should vote so you can have the right to complain yeah. everybody's got a right to complain everybody's got a right to vote uh, I, I hate to th- I hate to look for insidious motivation but I think there are, there are parties who want lower voter turnout I think the more people who vote, the worse it is for some points of view. Mm. And I think having elections in off years is seeking low voter turnout.
2: Because oh. it's, it's easier
0: to motivate the fringes of a base than it is the middle or the independence of, of an election. And if it takes the shiny object, the presidential election, whatever is the, the on-year election, to get people to come out and vote, then that's where all the measures ought they to do be.
1: do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm all for even-year voting. I think it's. I think the more the merrier when it comes to voting. Another story I want to get to today is this—it's uh, a— Chinese a Chinatown food bank that lost over 2000s of 2000 pounds of food because of a uh, equipment failure a power outage cost this uh, food bank in Chinatown the, so the story lore is that uh, they're trying to figure out who's responsible for replacing these 2000 pounds of frozen food at
2: cool. the food
0: bank in Seattle's Chinatown International District that's
2: my question because if it's a power outage issue I'm wondering if if, if the city pays yeah. for it yeah like I don't know if anyone's asking that question, and I I think that maybe it should be asked because that's such a huge community resource.
0: It is. Well, it's it's, it's nutrition programs with Asian counseling referral services. So this affects us, the community of the International District Chinatown. Um, and I hope that if it was a power outage caused by the city, that there's some effort to help this community replace these this lost food bank because there's never been more demand or more need, I should say. Oh yeah, demand is a horrible way to put that. At tough times are tough economically for folks. You know, the government ended their pandemic assistance in the additional funding provided to families for nutritional assistance. Yeah, I have to
1: admit, I'm I'm, I love the thought of what you're saying, Laura. It makes perfect sense that the city would maybe step in and, and reimburse. I'm not optimistic, but I'm hopeful. Can two things be true? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Sure. Always. You're a dreamer. But I do
1: know what the community can do like if everyone does a little bit and and helps out. But I think it's a great it's a great question. I mean when cuz if you think at it, think of it as a homeowner We've lost food, I think, twice this year because of the stuff breaking outages? down. Yeah. You know, one power outage, another or, uh, was just things failing. Went, yeah, yeah. but you know, it doesn't rise to the level of yeah. Like, it's
2: like sort of this like, was, oh, power outage. I'm going to keep my fridge closed and kind of cross my fingers. Yeah. And, In this
1: case, this was a huge, um, a huge loss. Right. Well, so so,
0: f- so far, to your your hopefulness and your optimism is rewarded. You're not you're not wrong. More than three thousand dollars and counting has already been donated. Help cover the losses from okay. the outage. So, and if you'd like to donate, there's a website you can to. It's the ACRS website. You can go there and help the community out. Also, they're having a, a walk for rice held that at Seward Park on June 29th. That's that's their largest annual fundraising event of the year coming up for for this community. Which and it's it's good to help out when you can help out. Yeah, it's
2: like if you pay for power and then you have a massive failure. I and I mean some some of these huge uh like our building we have a backup generator because we like. Simply can't afford to be off air, right? If we lose power here, we all the lights flicker. Oh, you're Cairo. I thought you meant yeah. At chi- home. Oh, yeah, Cairo. No, oh my yeah. gosh, I wish at home. I, yeah, <laughs> Cairo does, and yeah, our lights will flicker, and then we'll we'll run on a backup generator, and we can keep broadcasting here. Um, but that's obviously a huge expense.
0: It's a huge expense, and, yeah. and, and, and like Wes said, they've already recovered three thousand dollars. So they've been given three thousand dollars through donations from the community help for the loss of food. But maybe uh, if we keep donating to this cause, the website again, ECRS, the website, uh, help them get enough to get a generator. Yeah. So the next time a city lets them down without giving them power, they'll be able to cover that and keep the supplies cold.
1: Yeah. We have a couple text messages coming in. Um, okay. So basically saying, why would the city pay? Eric on Anderson says, King County Metro did not want to pay for that bus that hit the building. Why would the city pay for something that's their fault? Um, Michael, it just says, "Well, maybe wonder if they have insurance." He's wondering uh, about that's that. A great question,
0: so. I'm, I'm sure they do have insurance as a community service. They probably are required to have insurance, and, and again, they've gotten the money re- donated already to help cover the loss. So let's kind of see if we can help out a little more and make sure that they.
2: Yeah, I do. do what like they that need sometimes these events can can end up being a catalyst to even more attention brought to like a community resource like that and getting more people to donate or donate more regularly. So it can be a blessing in disguise as That's well. Good, good. Silver I, lining. I like the, optimist, yeah. the, yeah. the optimism
0: Same. around the room very much. Nice. Okay. When we come back to Jack and Spike show with Angela Poe Russell, uh, well, speaking of parents and kids, parents are highly involved in the lives of their adult children more and more these days. And I got to confess I'm part of that Problem? I <laughs> just own it. I own it. Uh, it's the Jack and Spike Show with Angela Paul Russell. We'll be right back with more right after these. Sometimes referees are gonna be looking at that ball, and sometimes they're not gonna be looking at it. Or based. Oops would have also been an acceptable answer. Welcome back to the Jack and Spike show. I'm Spike O'Neill. Jack Stein's taking a day today to, to be a better man.
1: <laughs> you just had to get what in I on it. <laughs> nah, you know,
0: I, I, I don't not deny anyone their three-day weekend. Actually, Jack's got some doctor's appointments, so we love that he's looking after. Take care spot. of himself. Self-care. Absolutely. I love Absolutely. Angela Poe Russell's. Um, and listen, uh we talk far too often, it seems we have to talk about teen crime. Uh, but before we do that, there's another story that involves me personally, or hits me personally, I should say. Uh, a story uh, out of the New York Times and a study from the Pew Research Center says that parents now are more highly involved in their adult children's lives than ever before. And I think both sides of the, the people polled in this are okay with it. According to the Pew Research poll, Nine out of 10 parents who are involved in the lives of their adult children. Involved meaning, you know, we communicate multiple times on a, on a weekly basis. We're in constant, if not you know, regular communication with our adult kids. Mm-hmm. Nine out of 10 parents say it's good. And of the Gen Xers, the uh, or the, the kids, which were millennials, or Zoomers, or boomers, or zoomers I'm so confused about the age of news. What group I'm in.
1: <laughs> I think you said you're a boomer.
0: I'm a boomer. Okay. Yeah, doesn't it show every time I have the mental lapses of our president? Yeah, I'm a boomer. Um, and it's anyway, the study says that nine out of 10 parents say it's a good thing to be more involved in the lives of their adult children and eight of the 10 children, adult children says they're glad to have their parents in their lives. Now we, uh, as parents, my, the the truly unpleasant Mrs. O'Neill and I, uh, both have very active involvement with our adult child. We have a daughter who's 34, but out on her own now for a good 12, 15 years, I would say.
1: What does highly
0: involved look like for you? Like, what do you do that you wonder, is this too much? Uh, well, the study says that it involves constant communication or regular communication. Okay. We, we are over-involved, I think, in so much that I still have my kid on my phone, my 34-year-old on my phone plan. And I do this because, and we've, we've argued, Jack and I have argued about this before, it's not a failure to launch. It's the fact that if my kid went out and got her own phone, it would be 140 bucks a month. To have her on my plan is about $50 a month for us, and she pays us that. Mm-hmm. So we just rope her into that. But there's. We, we speak to our older daughter three, four times a week. We have them over the house, her and her guy, okay. and their two dogs. Mm-hmm. Have them over the house. We try to at least once every week, if not more, to be involved in their lives. We like that.
1: Okay, that's nice. Now, is there a line? Because... The, the article I did read it as well, and it talked about the texting several times a week, and it says the parents offer advice and financial support. So, where is the line on the financial support piece? I've heard of families who mm-hmm. help their kids with a deposit on a home, right? Or right. Pay, I, I did not have my, the culture of my family was we get ours, now you get yours, which I disagree with, Mom. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> if your kids are, but I was listen, kind of,
1: but I was, I was kind of, yeah, we were kind of on our own. Well, we, but where's the line for you?
0: That's a great question. My, my older daughter lived in New York on her own for about eight years, moved after college to New York City and lived in Brooklyn. And I was constantly getting a call once or twice a month, dad, can you you know send me a hundred bucks till payday? My subway card, and not, not the sandwich shop, but the, the transportation of New York City, her metro card was short and she had to get back and forth to work from Brooklyn to Manhattan, yada, mm-hmm. yada. So we do that. Um, and we were happy to do that because... Uh, I think a parent, if you can help a kid rather than see them struggle, I think you should help a kid. Mm-hmm. That being said, my kid doesn't, you know, every time. Hey, Dad, I want to go shopping. No, 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 no,
2: no. We don't. Yeah.
0: We don't. We don't flood our kid with money. We don't pick up every bill my kid has. But when we go out to dinner with our kids, I never let them pick up a check. That's old school. Maybe it's too much. I think that's where we draw the line. Mm. And that—that's called the, the article mentioned a term I'd never heard before: snowplow parenting. <laughs> Have you guys heard this term?
1: That sounds like me. Have y'all seen that show, Young Sheldon?
0: I I, do, I love Young Sheldon.
1: My my daughter claims that I'm the mom in Young Sheldon.
0: Are you uh, really?
1: Say, I, so I, is that a snowplow?
0: A snowplow parent by definition clearing obstacles okay, for their kids. Okay, that that's, sounds
1: like the young Sheldon mom. Then.
0: <laughs> and maybe that's kind of what I've been doing with <laughs> my older two as I, as I look into this definition a little bit. But my kid launched, my kid moved to New York and lived on her own and uh-huh. became gained independence and a self-confidence that she carries to this day. Yeah. You know, and we have two kids uh they are 14 years apart. Okay. My two kids and I I've often said that we were far too snowplowish in our older kids' life and Maybe didn't didn't let the kid land t- hard landings often enough that we did snowplow. We didn't make it too easy on my kid. And they had to learn tough lessons in life, maybe later than they than they could have learned them. So I'm a little a little mm. overindulgent in my kids' lives.
1: Okay, well that's so you feel like you are a little bit over. Yeah, we so can reel we do, you in we don't, we don't a little anything bit. Anything for our Because there's there's a quote um, that I love. I think it was Frederick Douglass who said, "Without struggle, there is no progress." So the people on the opposite side of that feel like, no, you kind of have to like throw the bird out of the nest. You got to like make yeah. them swim. And yeah, that's they, how they're going to build that muscle and yeah. be able to come out. Okay, let me tell you a quick story. Sure. All right. So I was coming out of college. I needed my first TV job. It was really hard to get one. I'm, I'm applying all over the country. Sure. And so there was this uh, news director in Alabama. I just kept emailing, emailing, calling, all these kinds of things just to try to get an interview. So I end up getting an interview and I get the job. After I get the job, I find out that my dad was friends with someone in the organization. And I was like, well, why didn't you help me? Like, you could have saved me a lot of trouble. And he said, because you needed to do it for yourself. He said, you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth.
0: And I'm not giving you one after college. That's great. <laughs> your dad's awesome. And I, I, I think But that I don't
1: is... know. I do think, well, if we, look, we, this week, we were talking about the coaches at UW. Um, mm-hmm. One is the son of Pete Carroll. One,
0: right, I mean, a, is it a Belichick bad thing? Son. Is it
1: a bad thing to put in a good word for your kids? Like, in other words, was my did my dad take it too far?
0: I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think it's commendable that your dad uh, didn't give you a leg up yeah. in the industry, made you work for it yourself. People appreciate more when they earn it themselves. That's true across the board, I think, in all things. Um, Nepo babies are terrible. I, you know, I think some of them are okay, but a lot of times Nepo babies, people who get the job because their dad made a phone call, I don't think that's you at all. And I think your dad proved it to you that you got it on your own. Yeah. And you'll never have to wonder about that. I never have to wonder. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, (laughs) With our younger kid who's now 20. Okay. um, We tried to not be there as often. We tried to let them fall a little more often and skin the knee and learn from mistakes.
1: And that was from what you learned raising your first. Right.
0: When, when When the older kid was, you know, 19 and still, you know, doing 13 year old, 15 year old mistakes. We're like, we have really made this too easy. So we kind of learned the hard way with our first and our second. We almost named our second kid Mulligan just because it was a total do-over. <laughs> but we, we chose we chose a more appropriate name for, for my youngest. <sighs> um, so the, the, I guess the bottom line of the story of the New York Times is that both sides of this equation, parents who help and are stay connected to adult children, both sides say they benefit. Because children are happy to call their adults, even adult children, are happy to call their adults, for yeah. uh, parents, for well, advice. I,
2: th- I think that's the leverage that... Us adult children, as an adult child myself, have with our with our parents who are really involved, is is like you get the phone calls, you get the connection, right? You, but you but here's the thing. But here's the thing.
1: If I, as a parent, said no to your financial request and said, you know what, I want you to figure it out on your own, would you stop texting me? Would you stop calling me? No. Is our relationship no. dependent? You know, because I, I have to admit, I had a, a relative that my parents even joked, oh, we only hear from him when he needs something. That was.
0: <laughs> At least we hear from them. No, oh I, no,
1: I, no, no. no! So I mean, here's the question for those of you listening: Like how wh- how much is too much when it comes to being involved with your adult child? Because I've all, I've heard from different there yeah. because I love reading my books and listening to my little podcast, and they say if if it's something people can do for themselves, then you shouldn't do it for them because mm-hmm. it takes well, them takes their it. It builds confidence when they can actually overcome the obstacle versus the parent clearing the way.
0: I, I agree with that. But I also think that the advice, the counsel of, yeah. of, of mistakes I've made in my life or the wisdom we've accured is getting old. You know, it's a, it's a, if the kid can learn from your mistakes and give the advice, that's what I love from my kids. And yeah,
2: the biggest thing that I that I get from talking to my mom is her advice. It's, I never, like, I never ask her for money. I've always asking just her for advice. You're you I, wanna... I
0: wish we'd adopted you yeah. when we had the chance. <laughs> uh, but, but but I will say, Laura, as as empty nesters now, as our youngest has gone mm-hmm. off to college. We love a phone call. I'll, I'm, I'm pray for my kid to have fat, flat tires, so I can just get out there and fix Aww, the problem for my kid. That I, is so sweet. We, we miss we miss the, the constant having a kid in the house. Christmas break when they were both home for a while. My my daughter came home from school for the month, I and mean, our older came over the house a lot during the holidays. We loved having a full house again. Absolutely loved it. All right. When we get back, uh, if you were taking a flight and it was required that you were weighed before you got on the plane, how would you feel about that? Would you go? Uh, This is a story from an overseas airline, but trust me when I tell you, it's coming to America. That's coming up next, Jack and Spike Show with Angela Poe Russell. Be right back. Welcome back. The Jack and Spike Show. Angela Poe Russell in for Jack Stein today. And I may have been a little uh, sensationalistic on the last tease. But the headline says, from the Washington Post, would you weigh yourself before boarding a plane? This airline is trying it. They're talking about thin air uh, in Helsinki, Finland. The story is that the airline is requiring passengers to not just weigh their luggage before they get on the planes, but to also give their weight before they get on the plane.
2: Oh, not requiring. It's voluntary.
0: It's voluntary? Right?
2: I think it's voluntary for now.
0: Okay. Well, they, what, and the, the onus behind this is because on smaller planes, it matters what the weight is that the plane is carrying. Mm-hmm. And they will sell, te- sell seats and make seats available to passengers to make a safe amount of weight on the plane. Plus, some of the planes are smaller. And have a center. We've all flown like on Horizon. Mm-hmm. Or have you ever flown on one of the um, the Kemore Air yes. flights the island? The weight Airs. really does. It really does matter. Yeah. If you don't want to be asked what you weigh, never fly on a small plane. Because if you're going to the Alaskan bush, those guys don't care. They'll ask you how much you weigh because they've got to get off the ground.
1: Yeah. So it is voluntary and anonymous, as you said, Laura. The thing is, and they will, I think, give you some kind of little trinket or something if you agree to it. I saw that. So, is it some
2: kind of reward system? Yeah, it's a little reward system if you agree, agree to do this. Do you get like a little junior pilot badge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how
0: do we feel about this? Um, I, I'm glad that some some of the people surveyed in the, when the, 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 they're just bringing out this week Fin Air. Okay. They're just introducing this program. Some of the people said that it was reasonable and it was a safety concern, while some people said it was fat phobia and fat shaming and things like that. So people feel differently about it. Some folks said it could be potentially humiliating. Now it's not like there's a big scale with a sign above your head as you get on the plane that gives your weight to everybody in the in the gateway. That's not what's ever going to happen. Yeah.
1: For me, I don't mind it because these days I just want to get where I'm going safely. And if this if I'm a sucker for safety. So if you yeah. tell me that doing this is going to make us even safer, safer. Yeah. sign me up, whether it's true or not. You know, it's interesting because because I do have that mindset, I really wanted to challenge myself. I'm like, oh, what are the other arguments to this that people would be? Why would they be opposed to it? Okay. And and people have taken it in all kinds of directions, because in this article Always. from The Washington Post, it looks like Korean Air did a similar program. And some travelers, like we suspected, felt embarrassed to be weighed. But others argued that if you're lighter, you should be given larger baggage allowances. Oh, <laughs> that, like you know what? I, I have this a is with a that. slippery slope, though. This is because thing you're like
0: your, that's t- how- your total weight is uh, say you weigh 125 pounds and you've got 50 pounds of luggage. So if you weigh 105 pounds, you sh- you can get 20 more pounds of luggage. But think about what, like, that going the, the opposite what, way, though. You, you weigh 300 pounds, you don't get to bring any luggage at all. <laughs> It's about safety, right? Uh, You know what drives me nuts about airlines? It's it's not so much that you know I get get the safety thing, and I'm a big guy. I take up a big seat. Uh, The the fact that they're packing so many people into planes, and they're shortening our knee room, they're getting more rows in with seat. I I feel terrible when I see people who are charged for two seats. Mm. You know, and and I understand the argument for it. I mean, I've seen people that are just too big for one seat, and they have to take up the hand armrest between the center and aisle, and they sit, and, and the airline will charge them for two seats. I think that's horrible from the airline's perspective. You know, if you make seats so small that, I mean, we're, we're, we're the biggest country on the face of the earth. I'm surprised the earth still spins in a regular rotation the way America weighs down the planet. You know, we should be spinning an off-our-axis. We're so fat in America, and I speak from personal experience.
1: Okay, when you said that about how that must feel, having to buy the extra seat, Mm -hmm. it reminded me there was an airline that recently said they were going to address this issue. Mm -hmm. Was it Southwest? I think it was Southwest saying they were going to offer an additional seat for free if you're overweight. Oh, yeah, here it was. They were going to allow overweight passengers two seats with no extra charge. And so that was, you know, I don't know how the program's going. That's why they're allowed
0: to put a heart on the side of their plane. That is some compassionate uh, corporate thought there. I think that's wonderful. I mean, when, when people have to ask for a, a belt extender and the humiliation of people who have to, you know, you walk down the aisle and you see someone who's of larger size coming down the aisle and you just pray quietly that they're not going to pick your aisle to sit in. I mean, this is all because they're trying to cram too many of us into an airline, mm. in, into a plane. I, ju- I think that's just, it's criminal how airlines have. And I understand that they're in a, a for-profit business and traveling's is a, a luxury for most people, but it's a, it's a requirement for a lot of people. And just to fat shame us by having a seat that's an inch shorter than any average human would be.
1: Oh yeah. although they've got. It's like we've gotten bigger; they've gotten smaller. It's. It's uh, really. Yeah.
0: That's exactly <laughs> how it's played out for everybody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to do a follow up just to see how the program's going. It going because it sounds like some passengers are rejecting it. So I will do a deep dive on this and, uh, maybe and, we'll and put let it us back. know if
0: any if there's any talk of an American airline trying this or planning this. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one thing when you're doing a smaller airline like a Kenmore Air or even a Horizon. I mean, when, when Horizon and i've been on a horizon flight Well, they will they will balance the bigger people out on each side of the plane if they've got a if, if they notice that they've got a lot of little people on this side of the plane a lot of big people on that side of the plane they will have people switch sides of the aisles to
1: balance mm-hmm. the load we just had someone text in saying uh, regarding this issue the military has done it for years on passengers carrying aircraft passenger carrying aircraft regardless of the plane so something the mil- that's been well, done the, the military. military does that
0: well that's not about feelings in the military i give them that. And you got to balance the load. Okay, we got, you've, and nobody's fat in the military anyway. You don't get to be fat and be in the military. Do you? But they do balance a load for practical safety and safety. That's, I get all that stuff. Huh. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> well, so,
1: I'm, I love reading all the text messages because you just get all different perspectives. And- I,
0: I, I, we do love when people get involved with the show.
2: Well, it's been fun to have you on the text line with me today, Angela, because normally I am on the text line alone. And it's been cute to see you like respond to people and... Uh, have someone else in there with me. Well, Jack, t- 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 I have a
0: very low tolerance for differing opinion.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
0: saying, you know, that's all I'm saying. I'll say it, that I'll be kind. That's all We have a low tolerance for difference of opinion. I'm so glad, Angela, that you're here today Thank with us. Thank you
1: for having me. Okay,
0: it's the Jack and Spike Show with Angela Russell. We'll be right back after these.